Once upon a time, in a land far away, I'm Katrina, and I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat while we retell you a thing. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you with us again. Yeah. And happy to have Katrina with us, alive <laughs> and well. I'm happy to be alive and well also. So this has been a crazy year uh, that we can't seem to get under control, <laughs> which that's fine. It's like between like starting master's programs and just like work schedules and health crises. Especially the health crises. Yeah. We can't seem to get it together. It's fine. We're still plugging away. I know that what gets people nervous when they're seeing schedules get kind of like uneven is they're like, oh, no, this is going to get canceled or like, you know, this is going to like end or I'm going to lose. But no, guys, we're still we're still here struggling along. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our July episode schedule and like releases and everything were like totally out of control. I got a kidney infection Mm. thanks to a kidney stone that got too big for its britches and my kidney. (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually hospitalized, which is pretty like intense. It wasn't like I went to the hospital and got some antibiotics, which is what I wanted to do. Yeah. I had been like running like a fever, like a, pretty significant fever for like days, but I didn't want to, I was like, I just want to handle at home. Cause I hate it. If I, I don't ever want to go to like a hospital early and have them be like, there's nothing wrong with you. Why are you wasting your time and money and our time as well? And so I was yeah. like, it's fine. I'm just going to let it, but my temperature kept getting higher and higher. And I was like, I'm losing whatever battle I'm fighting. <laughs> Um, and my kidneys had started to hurt. So I was like, okay, let me go to a quick care clinic and get just some antibiotics. And they were like, uh, four no. days later. Yeah. I was like, like, ma'am, this is completely out of control. So yeah. So I got hospitalized. Uh, and, and then I got COVID. I maintain that I got it while I was in the hospital, but they disagree with me. So whatever. They tested me the day that I went into the hospital and I was negative. And then like three days later, they tested me and I was positive. And so I'm like, now, where did I get this? (laughs) Let me think. Anyway, I have to go back into the hospital to get the kidney stone removed because it is six millimeters which is not, it's not a terrifying size, but it's the size where it can, like, it can't come out by itself because it'll jam and that's real bad. So, yeah, no, it's a whole thing. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, It sounds like it's probably going to be in September sometime. So something to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) So another thing to look forward to in September... (laughs) (laughs) excellent segue (laughs) uh we're planning our next live event it's going to be a fifth friday fable fest 
our last Fifth Friday Fable Fest that we announced and that was in July. And then it kind of was like, should we do this? Because of everything that was kind of like going on. And we ended up doing it. And so if you want to see it, it's on our Instagram uh, account. You can access it from the Instagram TV on the fairy tellers. The fairy underscore tellers account. But our next one is going to be September 30th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's so that Jeff can make sure his kids are in bed. That's true. So our Patreon supporters are voting on the topic that we will be telling tales about. My fingers are crossed that it will be an all-bird episode. (laughs) (laughs) Katrina, in my honor of being deep in frog Instagram, and now finally onto frog TikTok, we did frogs for the Fifth Friday Fable Fest in July. Yeah. So it was one for me, and then the next one can be for you, (laughs) hopefully. If it be the will of our benevolent patrons. It's like, let it be birds. Yeah, no, and the frog one was really interesting just because bullfrog was somebody that we hadn't, or I don't know if it was bullfrog, but frog was like one that we haven't really, I don't think we've seen in any other. No, I don't remember ever seeing a frog in any of the fables that we've done. No. Yeah. So it was interesting because, yeah, he was a character that... Definitely has his own personality that's distinct from other characters. Also, interestingly, my son was in like a summer camp this summer. And one of the things that they did was like go on a play. And the play that they were doing was like frog and toad. Yay! And so also part of the summer camp, they do like science stuff and they do all sorts of whatever activities. They do lots of like sports, but they do academic stuff as well. And they were focusing the whole unit around like frogs and how they like – their life cycles and, you know, becoming tadpoles and then go, you know, so they, they were themed it all around that. So it's kind of like, it's been the summer of frogs here in my household. The summer of frogs. Sounds like a horror movie from the 60s. <laughs> Came out in 3D. That'd be the incredible. Re- the red and blue style. <laughs> anyway, speaking of themes, what's the theme of this episode? <laughs> Excellent segue. So this episode is another listener request. That we got through a Facebook message from Mitchell. He actually had several really great ideas and thoughts to share. So I loved this whole message and replying to it. I love getting messages from people and uh, getting to talk about folklore and fairy tales. It's my jam, guys. (laughs) But his one request was for a Grimm's brother fairy tale called The Old Woman in the Woods. Which, Jeff, when we kind of teased this episode, I think in the last episode that we recorded a month ago, you, when I said the title, like, the old woman in the woods, it was like, isn't that every, (laughs) is that every fairy tale? Yeah. Because, I mean, so often it is. I mean, I guess in East of the Sun, West of the Moon, it was hags and crags, but (laughs) other than that, it's always old ladies in the woods. I forgot about the hags and crags. Which I just love, too, because it's like, I wonder what it is in German. No, wait, it's not German. That's Norwegian. Why isn't that one of our, like, Patreon levels? That should be like... Hags and crags. Yeah. So Mitchell was introduced to this story through a Japanese anime called Grim Masterpiece Classics that was made in 1987. (laughs) So... That's awesome. The same Japanese animators had made, like... 
a similar series of Hans Christian Andersen tales. And they also would make a book into a feature length film once a year. They made a version of Anne of Green Gables, <laughs> which I love because I was enchanted. one of these things is not like <laughs> the other book as a child. Um, yeah. I mean, and so I'm pretty sure they used the word masterpiece in, uh, in their series. Air that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but they kept using like the kind of like the, the term masterpiece classic, which is why then the Japanese anime was called grim masterpiece classic. Yeah. Even yeah. though not all of the stories were, uh, from the brothers grim, oh. <laughs> which is fine. Um, we forgive them. It's okay. So the animation company, they then sold Grimm Masterpiece Classics to Nickelodeon. What? In the early <laughs> 90s. This is delightful. Yes, right? So How it come was, I didn't see this or know of this? I'm like, was this playing at night? Or did yeah, I... I was deep into Nickelodeon in the 90s. I mean, I guess, so I... I was living in Thailand and we didn't have a lot of like English television in the early nineties. And I didn't move to the U S until the late nineties. So I don't know, maybe mm. it was playing at night by then. I, that's my excuse. So don't <laughs> worry. I, I was still watching anime. I was watching Kimba, the white lion. <laughs> well, we were all watching lion King. Do you know what's funny is Kimba, the white lion was made in 1950, like seven. So uh -huh. Kimba, the white lion came first. I just, I, I yeah. do. <laughs> We've been on the internet. We know. I, we've been on the internet. We know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's not it's not some knockoff of the Lion King. It came first. No, I know. But anyway, so yeah, in the early 90s, it was playing on Nickelodeon. They had dubbed it in English to play in the United States. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. that's the language that most people speak in the United States. And they renamed it Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics because... Grim masterpiece classic didn't make as much sense outside of the series that right. that animation company had made. So yeah, it was Grimm's fairy tale classics. Mitchell said that makes it and the entire series, a Japanese retelling of a German fairy tale adapted to a 20 minute anime format and then reinterpreted by American dubbers. I find that kind of repeated cross-cultural exchange intriguing. Oh, yeah. I think Mitchell is right. That is super intriguing. <laughs> Hard <laughs> that, agree. Yeah, that it's like, okay, so, you know, the animators who are in Japan that were like, okay, let's like, what would our audiences like find interesting? What would they find compelling? Let's look at folk tales from Europe, specifically like these German fairy tales. And add Dragon Ball Z style yes. like sorcery explosions yes. launching from people's hands. <laughs> Yes. Which, you know, I was delighted by. It. Yeah. Um, watching it. So Jeff and I both ended up watching uh, on YouTube the episode of The Old Woman in the Woods uh, from Grimm's Masterpiece Classic. And I'm probably in the description of this episode going to add a link. I don't know if the link will still work because it seems to get <laughs> taken down for like copyright. But you can also find Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics. When there was some kind of merger, I don't know how Fox got it, mm -hmm. got Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics from Nickelodeon. Are you about to tell me that this is on Disney Plus? No, 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 no. Oh. So when 
when Disney acquired Fox, somehow, I think it was like in 2012, um, somewhere around then, the animation studio or, or an animation studio in Japan bought it back. Oh, wow. And, and then they made it available for download. And so there is a way I want to say on like Amazon Prime or something that you can download the episodes of Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics if you want to, you know, pay whatever it is that they're asking for. But yeah, no, I for a second when I was like doing the research and I saw that like Disney when they had acquired it, I was like, wait, does Disney own this right now? Because <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah. But no. I don't know I don't know how Nickel how it went from Nickelodeon to Fox though. Because Nickelodeon is I wanna say Paramount. Yeah, it's like Viacom, which is part of Paramount, I think. Okay. Because I was like, I might be making that up. So I don't know how it went from Nickelodeon to Fox, but somehow it ended up getting bought back by Japanese animators, a company. All of these yeah, and all these media companies are just eating each other. Yeah. And becoming larger and larger. Like Disney's eating like all of them, but like Disney's eating companies that ate four other companies first, you know? It's like the the orca to the dolphin that was Fox to the tuna that was whatever Fox bought. The sardine that was <laughs> that was Grim Fairy Tale Classics. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, no, I do find that like super intriguing just yeah, how the stories got like reimagined and and like Mitchell said for like a 20 minute anime format cuz like when i retell this story you'll be able to see that like it is not it is not very long there's not like a whole lot to it and then if you go and you watch the the episode of the old woman in the woods you'll see that there was a lot that was added to make it into a 20 minute story format yeah but, you know, those additions that were being made to it were the choice of these Japanese animators as they were reinterpreting for their right. audience this, like, German tale. And then, yeah, as it then goes through American dubbers and then given to an American audience to watch. Yeah. And so it's not just like, oh, these are German fairy tales because it's not just, like, a straight across, like, from Germany... Right to america it's has gone through all these like other ways and then it's like you have you know an audience of children in the early 90s who are watching this going yep this is fine this tracks what grim's fairy tales are i mean kids are watching uh, you know like dragon ball z and like pokemon and like so they were kind of they were already aware of like kind of this animation style or big or it it didn't seem i don't think i don't think it seemed like strikingly different from like right yeah were were kids were kids in the u.s watching sailor moon is that like a thing yeah okay okay because i know sailor moon is like a thing now no, it was a thing in like the 90s. Okay. It was a thing, it's a thing now because it was a thing in the 90s when we were children. Okay, good, good, good. So yeah, it's like already they were kind of used to like this like anime style format. And so I'm assuming, yeah, that the kids in the early 90s were like, okay, let this go. And they weren't thinking to themselves like, oh, this is a German tale, but it was first yeah. gone through the lens of like Japan or whatever. They might have been thinking these are German tales. Or do they even know the German tales? Or do they just think like, oh, I saw this anime about this. This must be Japanese. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't no, know. that very much could have, like, yeah, I don't know what's going through these children's mind. Mitchell, tell us what was going through your mind. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you some more of uh, what Mitchell wrote, because I, I, I'm like, I'll let this person speak for themselves. Yes, please. So Mitchell said that he really liked this version of the tale, this. Yeah, the Grimm's fairy tales classics anime. Yeah. But then when he went to read the version in the Grimm's Brothers collection, it was really like it was different and it was kind of disappointing. He said, it mm. leaves me wondering if maybe there was some context or related stories that people knew at the time that filled in some of the gaps. And with that, mm. I will tell you the story because yes. I I very much see like what what Mitchell is talking <laughs> about when he says like there seems to be like some kind of information like missing in the story. So there was once a poor servant girl who was traveling with the family that she worked for through this great forest, which in Germany, there's the Black Forest. We haven't talked mm. a whole lot about the Black Forest, and we won't talk a whole lot about it now. <laughs> I'm just, just to say that, like, yeah, there were some, like, major forests. Oh, man, the geography that I have, like, read about in Germany, I'd really love to go someday. But, like, the geography that, like, I've read about where it's, like, mountains and forest and, like, hills and so villages were really far apart, like, from each other yeah. and really secluded, which is why they were able to kind of, like, make different traditions inside of those little pockets. Yeah. Because of that. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> When the family was in the middle of this forest, robbers came out of the thicket because they were hiding along the roadway to steal from people such as this. And they murdered everyone that they found. Oh, geez. But they didn't find this poor servant girl who had jumped out of the carriage from fright and hid herself behind a tree. And I'm like, they must not have been looking very hard if a person is society behind a tree. I don't know. It's a, it's a deep forest. There's lots of trees to check behind, And they I could guess. be very big trees, too. Who knows? Yeah. Plus, they were like, eh, I think we got everybody that had stuff worth stealing. If you see, like, a servant girl just, like, run off, you're not going to be like, oh, definitely chase her. I bet she has tons of stuff. Like, no. You've got what you came for in the carriage. <laughs> yep. I got to think like a robber. <laughs> so anyway, when the robbers had gone off taking all that was, you know, worth taking. This girl was left there by herself. And so she just sat down looking at this, you know, gory scene and started weeping bitterly because she realized like, I'm alone in this great forest. I don't know how to get out. There's no other people around. Like I'm obviously going to die out here. So when she was done crying, she decided to kind of pick herself up and walk around and look for a road that would lead her out. But she couldn't find any. She was getting, making herself more lost and turned around than she'd been before. And when it had gotten too dark for her to see where she was going, she again sat down under a tree and started to cry. <laughs> but she resolved that she would sit and wait there and not go anywhere until she saw something that would help her out of the woods. Huh. Which, you know, that's probably a good idea at night. You know what I mean? To just be like, yeah. I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to move no matter what. Which, oh man, that doesn't sound like a great idea. Because like, what if a wolf comes out? I bet you money she would have run away from the wolf. Or done something. It's like, she's like. And get more lost. Get more lost yeah. in the woods. 
But I mean, that's worth it. Is it better to be know exactly where you are, eaten by a wolf, or to be a little bit lost and alive? <laughs> that's fair. You you really got to do a risk assessment analysis sometimes. Yeah, and I think part of the thing is she's just like you know when you you've just been she's just been through this like emotional experience, this like very rough experience. She's not being helped, you know, to achieve any sort of calm, being lost and not being able to find her way. Yeah. Sitting down and composing yourself seems like a pretty good idea. And and like that idea is like until something comes along that helps me find the path. And that something may just be like a thought. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. let's go towards whatever, you know, like I, I yeah. think whatever, even if her reasoning is not like the soundest, I think it's a good plan to just like sit for a bit and gather before you make your next move. Yeah, like sit and compose yourself. Because yeah, sometimes when you are just running on pure adrenaline, you're not coming up with your greatest game plan. And so like once she was out of the danger of robbers attacking her, she did need to calm down and come up with like, because she, her instincts were good. When the robbers were there, her instincts were good to run away from them and to hide. Yeah. But now she needs to think of the next best like idea. So she had not sat there for long when, yeah, we went off on that whole tangent. For For nothing. For nothing. But she had not sat there very long when a white dove, Mm. mm, an interesting difference if you go and watch the old woman in the woods, (laughs) the anime. Yes. Um, A white dove came to her and dropped a little golden key from its mouth into her hand. (laughs) Then the bird spoke, which is, it's always funny to me how not shocked anyone is when animals talk to them in fairy tales. They're just like, oh, okay, this is, this is fine. This is perfectly normal and all right. Birds are always talking in these Grimm's tales. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, no, no further questions. Birds usually, though, in the Grimm's fairy tales, well, at least in Cinderella, they're just constantly, like, heckling. (laughs) Yeah. They're just giving this, like, running rude commentary. This bird, on the other hand, said, Do you see that great tree? Therein is a little lock, and it opens with this tiny key. There you will find food enough, and you will be hungry no more. And so she took this little golden key that he gave and, you know, went, walked over to a tree and stuck it in. And <laughs> like, sure enough, like it went in and it opened a little door that was in the tree. And inside the tree, she found milk in a little dish, which I thought was funny just because. It, <laughs> it's like, what is she, a cat? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> but and it says white bread to break into it. So. Like it was in the little dish that she could like break the bread onto it. But yeah, me in my mind, when I picture like milk in a little dish, I'm like, (laughs) she starts lapping up. Yeah, it's just like, (laughs) it's like, no, that's no. And so she ate that bread and that milk until she felt full. So when she had finished eating that food, she said to the dove, it is now the time when the hens at home go to roost. I am so tired. I could go to bed too. Which I'm like, what an adorable little way of saying, I'm tired. Where am I going to sleep tonight? So the dove flew back over to her and brought another golden key and dropped it in her hand and said, open that tree there and you will find a bed. So she did the same thing, walked over the tree, like used the key, opened it up. And inside of this tree was a beautiful white bed. Um, I thought it was interesting that it was like a beautiful white bed Mm -hmm. just because we've talked in the past about kind of like the colors of uh, fairy tales where it's like, 
it's white, black, and red. And then yeah. also the like metallic colors like silver and gold. Yeah. So it was just interesting that it was like a beautiful white bed. To match the beautiful white dove. Yes. Oh, yeah. So she laid down in bed, said her prayers like a good child. And she laid down and went to sleep. And in the morning, the dove came back over for the third time and brought another little key and said, open that tree there and you will find clothes. And when she opened it, she found clothes that were, guess what color they were, Jeff? White. Red. They were gold. (laughs) Gold. Gold. Mm. And covered in jewels. It says, more splendid than that of those of any king's daughter. Yeah, I guess because I imagine it would be a white, like, or a a dress. Oh, yeah, So to be a white dress would be a little, like, what's going on here? Because it's like a wedding dress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think when I think white dress. (laughs) That dove is like, hey. When I think of white dress, I was actually thinking, like, summer dress. I mean, what's interesting, too, is that, like, white is an aristocratic color. Like, back in these times, to have any fabric that was white and maintained Mm. white... You no. had to be very wealthy and and not be doing things that would stain the clothes, which out in the middle of the woods includes existing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like things things that are white, especially like white fabric does not stay white for very long. If you don't, I mean, even today, it's an expensive color to maintain, like in clothing, because it's like, just it's so easy to stain, even like regular detergents can like dull the color white. So yeah, it's just interesting to me that it's like the bed was beautiful white, because it's like the most fancy color for fabric to be, because it's Mm. so difficult to maintain. But the dress was gold. But the dress was gold <laughs> and covered in jewels. Which some might argue is a fancier color. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also I'm like, I the practicality of wearing an outfit like that in the middle of the woods, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I guess at this point, everything was kind of being provided for her by the bird. So like, right. it's not like she was out foraging for berries because all she had to do was just like go over to a tree and it would have like dinner for her like in the tree. Yeah. So, so she's fine. Even though I'm like, that's a really impractical thing to wear in the woods. She's doing okay. Um, so the girl lived there, it says for some time, which mm. isn't very exact, but <laughs> it, I mean, it, she wasn't there for like uh, one day, two days, three days. She was there for like some time. And the dove came every day to see her, but not for very long. And then he would like, fly away basically providing her with like a nice life and you know flying away so it was a quiet but good life and i assume after you know being a poor servant girl working for like a family all the time like getting to just rest in the woods is like nice oh yeah i mean which one of us in this day would not love to have all our needs cared for so we could just chill in the woods? Just like have a cabin in the woods or a bed inside of a tree <laughs> that has like a door. And then I just wake up and like food is provided. 100%. I want to do that right now. So one day the, the dove came to this girl and he asked, will you do something for my sake? So it's like after all this time, like helping this girl, he's like, can you do me a favor? Just 
a little thing. But the girl answered, like, with all my heart, I would do anything for you. Because, like, this dove had been so wonderful to her for so long. Yeah. The dove arguably saved her life. Yeah. Like providing her shelter in the very dangerous situation of the middle of the woods where she doesn't know where she's going. Yeah, especially when she was sitting down under that tree being like, well, I'm not going to move until I have a plan. So the dove said, I will guide you to a small house. Enter it, and inside is an old woman who will be sitting by the fire, and she will say good day to you. But on your life, give her no answer. Let her do what she will, but on your life, give her no answer. Let that old woman do what she will, but pass by her on her right side. Further on, there's a little door, which you will open, and you'll enter into a room where a quantity of rings of all kinds are lying, amongst which are some magnificent ones with shining stones. Leave those ones. <laughs> this is always the thing, though, right? Is that the one yeah. that you're looking for is a plain one. And that's he's like, look for the plainest ring. Look for a ring pop that's been half eaten and dropped on the carpet and has hairs and fibers and all stuff. All <laughs> I over. was going to say sand, but when you said hair, <laughs> that made me gag. I was like, <laughs> But yeah, look for the plain ring and it'll be among the others and then bring it back to me as quickly as you can. But the main important thing like in all this is that she's not supposed to say anything. Give no mm. answer. Don't talk to this old lady. Don't acknowledge her existence. Just walk right on past her, which I do think is funny because like it's this like old lady. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to it in a second. The dove is like, hey, walk into this old lady's house and rob her. And no matter what she says, just <laughs> ignore it and walk out. <laughs> If she attacks you, shove her to the ground without saying anything like a mercenary. And then just. (laughs) And it's like there is like no context provided, which is like what Mitchell had said, like for the story, which was like, there seem to be pieces missing. Like, I'm not seeming to like understand, like, because it is just like it seems so like out of like we're we're given no context for like what's happening. Yeah. So the girl went to the little house and came to the door and there was an old woman who, when she saw the girl, was like, good day, my child. And the girl just walked right past her and (laughs) opened up the door. (laughs) And the woman like jumped up and was like, what are you doing? And grabbed her by her gown and tried to like hold her to keep her from like going through the door. And the old lady's like, this is my house. No one can go in there if I choose not to allow it. This story is so much funnier now that I have in my mind this image of like, this is just some like old lady. (laughs) And he's like straight up robbing her. (laughs) The dove is like, hey, go steal from this old woman. It's just like so much funnier. Where do you think I got all this stuff (laughs) to provide you with your food? Where do you think I got the bed? These bejeweled golden dresses. You think that I'm a bird. How do you think I earned the money to buy these? I didn't buy them. I had other. I've got 12 of these trees all scattered throughout this forest. And my army of children is just stealing from everybody around. My army of children. That's what that's what he does. He like he befriends these children that get lost in the woods. Yeah. And then is like, I need you to steal for me, though. <laughs> and they feel like they have to because he's like giving them all this nice stuff. And all these like sweet old ladies who are like high, like living in the woods, trying to have like a quiet life. He's just like 
<laughs> robbing, having his army of children robbing them. Oh, man. I love I'm it. so sorry. This is the new headcanon. Because <laughs> it is so much funnier when, like, you're not thinking. Because never, like, in here does it say the word witch or sorcerer yeah. or anything. It is just, like, old woman. Old woman. <laughs> so it's just, okay. Wow. I'm not going to be able to get through this story because it's so, that's, it, the <laughs> mental image is hilarious to me. Because it's like this old lady's trying to, he's, she's like grabbing her like gown being like, no, stop. This is my house. Stay like you're out not, of my house. Get out of my house. And like this girl's like, I'm not even going to talk to you. I'm not going to even acknowledge you. <laughs> like just goes straight to the room that has like this table laid out and it's covered in all of these like rings. I don't know where this old lady got them. That's not my business. It's her home. <laughs> Illegal search and seizure. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, she's just like sifting through all of these rings, you know, not saying anything, keeping her mouth shut. Just And this, you know, old woman is, you know, protesting in the back. So while she's looking through this table of all these rings, all of them with like jewels that are like gleaming, she turns around and she sees this, the old woman is now like, leaving and is like going alone into the woods except that she's holding a bird cage in her hand so the girl stops what she's doing which is not you know what the dove had like told her to do which i also find really interesting that like Mm -hmm. now she's kind of going like she's like okay i wasn't able to find the plane ring on this table what's this old lady doing running off with like this bird cage that's suspicious obviously this old lady is taking something that's like the most valuable and running off with it Mm -hmm. i'm gonna find out what that thing is to steal from this old lady but anyway, so she went after this old woman and grabbed the cage out of the lady's hand, which again, when you just imagine, this is like old frail woman. <laughs> and she's grabbing her beloved pet and trying to flee what she senses to be imminent danger <laughs> yeah. at a home invasion. <laughs> oh, man. So she takes the birdcage out of the old lady's hand and inside of it was a bird and on the bird's bill was a plain looking ring and so she opened up the cage took the ring off of the bird's bill and just like ran off terrorized this old woman (laughs) you know ripped open this bird cage you know snatched this bird cage from this old lady's frail hands took the ring off of that bird and then just left I love that now we've wait, we've shifted and we're totally buying into like this girl and this dove and their life of crime. So she ran back to that little thicket area of trees that she had been living in for a while. And she looked around and she couldn't find the white dove anywhere. She was calling and calling, but he wasn't coming to her. And she didn't know what to do. And so she leaned up against one of the trees that was in the thicket and decided that she was just going to stand there and wait. (laughs) Her go-to move. (laughs) Her go-to move. That's her thing. And as she was standing there, leaning up against the tree, holding this ring, it suddenly seemed to her that the tree got like really soft and she was starting to like sink into it. So the branches like start twining around her, but then they turn into arms. And when she turned around, the tree was a handsome man 
who embraced her and <laughs> kissed her, even though she had no idea who that man was. <laughs> and the tree man said to her, you have delivered me from the power of the old woman who is a wicked witch. She had changed me. Oh, I guess the word witch does pop up in the story. I lied. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you have delivered me from the power of the old woman who was a wicked witch. According to him, mm. I don't know. She had changed me into a tree, and every day for just two hours, I was a white dove. And as long as she possessed the ring, I could not regain my human form. So then he had like a bunch of servants and horses who had also been changed into trees <laughs> that were freed from their enchantment. And they all came and stood beside him and they took the girl and him back to his kingdom because he was the king's son. And then they married and lived happily ever after. Oh, who says crime doesn't pay? <laughs> This story was like so enjoyable thinking about it. Of just like, <laughs> just like this girl walking into this like old lady's house, refusing to speak, and just like strong arming this old woman who couldn't like protect herself. Yeah, that it was like this lady's like tugging on her clothes, like please don't. Why are you doing this? And she just like shoves this old lady and then starts <laughs> rifling through her like jewels and possessions. And then the lady's like trying to flee the scene, and she's like, "Give me that bird!" Except she doesn't say that because she's not supposed to say anything. And so it's like imagining that without <laughs> the knowledge that you know this woman is like a, supposed to be some like evil sorcerer. It's one of those things too, where knowing that this is again a tale that was just told from person to person. It's funny to think of, this is probably not what happened, but someone's like telling the story, they're making it up as they go along and they're like, oh yeah, let's go. Like, And then someone's like giving them kind of an eye like, why is this kid just robbing this old lady? And then at the end they're like, by the way, the old lady was a witch the whole time and that's why she deserved to be robbed from. Oh, don't you feel foolish for doubting me earlier when they totally had just like overlooked it yeah i mean like part of that like what you're saying of like oh i'm like imagining somebody like making it up as they go along what's interesting when you know a lot of the like like motifs in these mm. stories you'll see like how often they'll get like mixed and matched and stuff i mean we've had episodes where we've talked about this before where it's like oh this element really reminds me of like this story and this element oh also happened in like this and and it's like you see these little like motifs in stories and i mean people would as they're retelling them i mean and i know i do this too if i'm just like making up a story like with my kids where mm. i have like things that are familiar to me that I'll be like, oh, I'll yeah. just use this because this is like a piece of an element. You know, that, like, I know this right. will lead somewhere. It's common and, and people understand it without without context, which is kind of like one of the things I think is at this. Because we've sort of talked about before, like an old woman who lives in the woods in so many stories, yeah. like I joked, every fairy tale, like that yeah. in fairy tale dumb, that is just synonymous with, oh, like it's a witch. Yeah. Like you don't have to say it. You don't have to say, this is a witch. It's okay that we're stealing from her. This is all some trick because she's an old lady that lives in the woods. Yeah. That that means witch, even if you don't explicitly say it. Exactly. That it it was understood that if there is an old woman, not just in these stories, but like in your town, 
you know, they would call them wise women if people in the town thought of them as more benevolent than anything else, more like helpful. It'd be a wise woman. But I I mean, it is basically like if somebody in your town was an old lady that lived on like the outskirts of your town, and especially if she was practicing any type of like medicine, like if she was like a person that you would go to for like any like ailments and she'd make poultices and stuff, you know, there was this element of like that lady is a witch. Yeah. And so, yeah, like in stories, if you have not an old lady who lives on like the outskirts of town, but straight up an old lady that lives in the woods, Uh you know, that's a perchta. Like that's like, (laughs) that is 100% just like, yeah, shorthand for like that lady is like a witch. And so you don't need the storyteller to even say this is a witch. It's like, oh, of course. Of course it is. Why Why would there be an old lady living alone in the woods if she wasn't a witch? Yeah. Why would she have all of these like magical rings? Obviously, this talking bird is somebody who has been enchanted by this old lady that he's like instructing you toward. But yeah, I mean, this story doesn't have the context of this story is about the girl Mm -hmm. and so what's weird when you're reading it is that you're not really getting the before of the bird tree prince (laughs) like you're not understanding why he got turned into a bird tree (laughs) i feel like in our day and age like our sensibilities we usually are kind of like okay yeah but what was the motive For like the person doing that. We want to know why, because we're like, you know, people usually have a reason for the things that they do. Mm -hmm. They don't just like do stuff. So there is another story that was also collected by the Grimm's brothers that shows like some of these motifs in a different way. But it also kind of shows how possibly, you know, these motifs can be taken and rearranged to create a different story. And if people were already familiar with like this one story, then they would understand the old Mm. woman in the woods better. So Yorinda and Yorangle, I think it's, it's more well known than the old woman, the old woman in the woods, Mm -hmm. because it is both like longer and makes slightly more sense, Uh which is why it, It has a lot of like the same motifs. So there was once an old castle. Notice how we went from just a little old house to a castle now. Mm -hmm. So there was once an old castle in the middle of a large and thick forest and an old woman who was a witch that lived inside of it. Thank you for that information right up front. Yeah. And it's like things have gotten like a lot bigger. So in the day, she would change herself into a cat. Or an owl, which is interesting to me Mm. if you watch the Old Woman in the Woods anime, because instead of the person being a white dove, they're an owl. And I don't know if they got it from, if they decided on that because in this story, the witch is an owl, or whether they just thought owls were better than a dove for the prince to have been turned into, or... Here's an interesting thing that I was going to bring up. Oh, okay. 
And now seems the appropriate time. But in Japanese, the word for dove is the same as the word for pigeon. And pigeons aren't like the sexiest bird, which I think pigeons are actually really, really cool. Pigeons are actually very cool. beautiful birds. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. But we consider them to be like the rats of the sky. They, they are that also. And so like you don't want your charming prince to be the rat of the sky. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're like, what's a cooler bird for them to be? An owl. I don't know if that's what happened, but I just happened to know that that is a thing. That like the that the word for pigeon and dove in Japanese is the same, which makes sense why there'd be a more of like a reason to change it. Yeah, because else. if the if the animators were reading a Japanese translation of the German tales, then they might have, yeah, it might have been like, oh, and then a pigeon came and landed. And they're like, eh. Lame. No, I don't want to do that. That makes sense to me. Oh, man. And that's yeah. another interesting thing, too, is that like if they were reading the stories not in German... Because how many Japanese animators read and speak German? I don't know. But if they were reading trans Japanese translations of the Grimm's fairy tales, then they were getting it through a lens too, the lens yeah. of that translator. Yeah. And so that would affect also like another how layer. they would, yeah, another layer of just like, like just translation telephone game. And that's also assuming that the translation came from German to Japanese, which you would think it might be, but there's so many cases where it's like, like I, I think it was like this with the Thousand One Nights. Correct me if I'm wrong. I probably am, but where it was like some versions were like translated from French to different languages, yeah, rather than like going back to the original language. Like, oh, we'll translate it from the language that we found it in into you know the language that the people of our country speak. So it's like doubly translated already. So it's like there's so many interesting and weird things that could have happened in that whole yeah. process. That's just fun to think about. Yeah, so like it makes sense that it would be like they didn't even know that in the original, you know, it had said like dove versus who And to be absolutely fair, do we know that? <laughs> Yeah. I don't speak or read German. That's true. What does it say in the original German? What if it's like something that's not even a dove? It's not even a... But what if it is an owl in the original German? That's true. What if it is in the original German or it says sparrow or like it could literally yeah. be like any other bird that the person was like, uh, I guess the closest is dove. And so you're uh -huh. you're right. Like, and if, if we had gotten it changed into dove and then... The Japanese was reading an English version that had been translated into Japanese, and then they're reading that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like it can get so messy, messy so quickly. Fascinating. Back to Yorinda and Yorangel. Yorangel? Yorangel? Either pronunciation is acceptable. Or either pronunciation is unacceptable. Rhea, <laughs> totally wrong. Neither are correct. So this witch, she could turn herself into a cat or a screech owl. But in the evenings, she took her proper shape, which was an old lady witch. So she would lure wild beasts and birds to her, and then she would kill them and boil them. And Rosa, that's that's how she was living out there was she could just like lure animals to her and then she would kill them. That's why she didn't have to like go anywhere. Um, she seems really handy. I would love to, you know, have her and Bear Grylls like go out and uh -huh. drink pee together. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like, you know, just like a, an out, a real outdoors woman. So if anybody came within 100 paces of her castle... Or I should say, if any man came within a hundred paces of her castle, 
they would immediately be like stuck standing still in exactly in the place that they're standing until she like set them free. But mm. if it says an innocent maiden, which makes me wonder if it's just like virginal girls, if like that's mm-hmm. what they meant by innocent maiden, or if it just means like any woman. But if any innocent maiden came within that same range of 100 paces, she would change them into a bird. And then she would put them in a wickerwork cage and carry the cage into a room in her castle. And this room Mm. in her castle had 7,000 cages of rare birds. Presumably all innocent innocent maidens. maidens i guess yeah so there was once a maiden it doesn't say innocent maiden oh just kidding um i mean it doesn't but i'm assuming she is an innocent maiden on account of because what happens next spoiler alert <laughs> there was once a maiden named yorinda who was fairer than any other girl <laughs> of course so her and this handsome man named Yorngal, which, wow, their names, they're meant to be together. So Yorinda and Yorngal were in love with each other. And they had also been promised to each other in marriage. But it says they were still in the days of their betrothal. And their greatest happiness was when they were able to be together. But they weren't able to be alone with each other to have like a conversation very often. So what they would do is they would sneak off into the woods so that they could be alone with each other so that they could talk quietly with each other. I'm like, sure, this is why it said Yorinda was a maiden and not an innocent maiden. (laughs) (laughs) So just kidding. They could have been so innocent. I'm not judging them. You know, it's hard being a teenager and having all those hormones. It's fine. So anytime they were walking in the forest together, Yorngel would always say, we must take care that we don't go too near to the castle because, as before mentioned, there's an old witch that lives in this, like, castle that's, like, out in the forest. So there was, it was a beautiful evening, and early evening, the sun was shining brightly through the trunks of the trees as it was going down in the forest, and the turtle doves were singing so mournfully that Yorinda started to weep which i'm like okay i don't know i cry about dumb things too but you know a lot of it <laughs> like <laughs> hormones and stuff i don't know uh because i'm like what and it's like urengale was sorrowful too and so they suddenly felt so sad as if they were about to die uh oh, and that's the part that i'm like like what? i don't really understand like what's going on i don't know a sense of foreboding i I just, yeah, I'm like, I I feel like there's something that I'm missing, like, in the translation. When they kind of stopped crying, they looked around them, and they realized that they had kind of lost their way, and they didn't know quite which way they should head to go back home. And the sun was still, like, ha- only half set as it was going down. So Urengel looked through the bushes, 
and he saw the old walls of the castle were close and he was like, oh no, like we've accidentally like wandered too close. And as he was like feeling that dread, he suddenly heard Yorinda start singing, my little bird with the necklace red sings sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. He sings that the dove must soon be dead, sings sorrow, ah. sorrow, jug, jug, jug. So the jug, jug, jug is a call of like a bird because in that moment, Yorengel turned and looked at Yorinda and she had turned into a nightingale and was singing, jug, jug, jug. So at that moment, a screech owl, which we can all safely assume is the witch, with glowing (laughs) eyes, flew around Yorinda, who was now a nightingale, grabbed her, and Yorengel couldn't move because... He had gotten too near the castle and he was now stuck in that one spot like a stone. He couldn't move. He could. It says he could neither weep nor speak nor move his hands or foot. Like all of him was like frozen solid, like a rock. And the sun now set and the owl flew into the thicket holding on to the nightingale and quickly, you know, as the sun set, turned into this witch and she still holding on to Yorinda who is the nightingale shoved her into a cage and she said to Yorengel if the moon shone on the cage as she was like headed back to the castle he would be let loose at once of course you know the moon had already come up and so Yorengel was free and he fell in front of the woman and he begged that he get Jorinda back but the old woman was like you're never gonna see her again and like went away and so obviously he you know was crying and weeping and lamenting and like how am I going to get her back and so he wandered away for a while and he came to what he said was a strange village And there he started to keep sheep for a really long time. So basically he was like, I can't go back home and, you know, face that like this girl's gone. I'm not going to go back home. I'm going to go to this place. And so he, you know, was working as a shepherd and he would often walk the sheep around the castle, but not getting too close to it. And he would just like, you know, cry and lament this loss that he had. Mm -hmm. So one night while he was out like watching his sheep he fell asleep and he dreamed that he found a blood red flower and in the middle of that flower was a beautiful large pearl and in the dream he picked the flower and he was able to move around the castle and everything that he touched with the flower would suddenly be free of all of its enchantment and he realized he would be able to recover Yorinda from the spell that she was under. So in the morning, first thing when he woke up, he immediately began to look all over the hill, all over the valleys, everywhere to see if he could find that same blood red flower. And he looked and looked every single day for nine days. And early in the morning on the ninth day, he found this blood red flower. And he looked in the middle of the flower and there was a large dew drop that was as big as the finest pearl, which I was like, he thought, oh, good enough, good enough, close <laughs> enough. I'm like, I find that so interesting that I mean, it is interesting that it's like in dreams, it's like it's almost like it's very symbolic. Yeah. And so 
but also usually in stories like this, it feels like they'll have a crazy dream, but then it happens exactly like their dream. Like for real. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's just very interesting that it's like. We saw a woman turn into a bird. Yeah. Like, finding a pearl that somehow is in the center of a flower is not that yeah. But, like, it makes me wonder if it is, like, oh, because this, like, blood red flower is, like, holding on to, like, this dew drop. If, if, like, if I was to go out and to find, like, a flower that had, like, a dew drop in it, is that some mm. kind of, like, talisman magical or something? Item. Yeah, like, yeah. this magical item. And so, I don't know. Like, if you have that and you, like, take it home, it, like, you know, undoes whatever enchantments have been done to you. Yeah. Uh-oh. By maybe your neighbors who accidentally breathed their negativity into your crystals when you left them out to recharge. Oh my gosh, you might be right. I won't make that mistake again. I can't help but think also, I'm just going to say this. Something sexual, I can't help but imagine. Like pearl and a flower, a red (laughs) flower, a dewdrop. Do you know what's funny is I had no idea what, what... Where you were going with like, I think, and you were like, I just got to say it. It's uh, <laughs> it's got to be something sexual. I was like, what has to be something sexual? <laughs> so he took this flower and he journeyed day and night until he got back to the castle. And when he was within a hundred paces of it, he realized he was not, you know, stuck in one place. So he kept walking closer and closer to the door and never did he, you know, get frozen like a rock again. So he was like filling up with joy. He was like so happy. This looked like, you know, this would be like working. And he touched the door with the flower and it sprang open like in front of him. And he was able to walk through the courtyard and he was listening for the sound of birds because he knew wherever there was a loud sound of like, I don't know, let's say 7,000 birds. That's probably probably where she kept the birds. And so he heard the sound. And so he started moving towards that going room by room until he found the room that they were in. And there was the witch feeding the 7,000 birds, which, ma'am, that's too many birds. Like that's an episode of Hoarders right there. But she was feeding all of them. So I guess, you know, she's at least taking care of them. Yeah. So when she turned around and saw Urengel, she was super, super angry because she's like, how did you get in here? And it says that she was spitting poison at him, which I'm like, ma'am, you need to brush your teeth. (laughs) 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 That's not great. But she couldn't get within two paces of him or really Uh of the flower. Yeah. So he took no notice of her, just walked like right past her and started looking at all the cages. But there were hundreds of different nightingales. So how was he going to find Yorinda again? Which I was like, just turn all of them back and just touch all of them. It doesn't. But that, you know, then it wouldn't be like a test of love or whatever, if you know. Right. And also would make for a very boring story. He went and he touched one nightingale. Nope, wasn't her. Some other chick. And the next one, just a hundred times. A hundred different, like, oh no. The movie adaptation would be just unwatchable. (laughs) Unwatchable. But how does he do it? How does he find her? That's what I want to know. He turns around and he sees that this old woman is quietly trying to leave with a cage with a nightingale in it. Much like (laughs) in the story... That we just heard where yeah. that bird with the ring on its beak for no reason. Right. Yeah. It just, it was the ring that she was after. It didn't have to be a bird. It could have been like she was holding a bag. She could have been holding anything. But it was like, no, a bird with a ring on its beak. As so often people are putting <laughs> rings on birds' beaks. 
to shut them up. It's fascinating. But that's what I love about this. Like, it's like, oh, it makes sense now. Yeah, like, once you put it, like, up against this other, like, story, it's like, oh, okay, this, like, visual element of somebody telling the story, if they remembered, like, kind of that visual element of, like, her leaving with a cage. But they're looking for yeah. a ring. So it's like, oh, well, the bird had the ring, like, on it. So anyway, he turns around and this old woman is carrying away this cage with a nightingale in it. And so he goes after her. So he like leapt towards this old lady and he touched the cage with the flower, but then he also touched the old woman with the flower. And so all of her powers to bewitch anyone ended and Yorinda was standing there in front of him. And I assume the second that that lady got touched so that she couldn't bewitch anyone all of the other birds turned back into right. people. Right, like undid yeah. all of them. It doesn't say that, but like that's what I'm like assuming is meant by that. And Yorinda, as soon as she's like returned to her original form, you know, leapt towards him, wrapping her arms around him. And it ends with, and she was as beautiful as ever, because that's <laughs> the most important thing. <laughs> and that's like, that's the end of that um, story. I mean, it is interesting to it me. Doesn't even end in a wedding. It doesn't even end in a wedding. So there are two tales that have a lot of like really similar elements. The man kind of being like frozen in a spot, not a tree, but being like you know frozen. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking too. Like when you said that in that one, I was like, oh. They're frozen around, and that's, like, what creates the forest, like, around the Ooh, castle. Yeah. Is, like, people that, like, got – I thought that that was – they, you know, get frozen in one spot and then get turned into a tree, whatever. But, yeah, like, effectively, if you're stuck in one spot, you're a tree. Yeah. I mean, no, no, you're not because you're not photosynthesizing, but, like, I get the <laughs> connection there. Like, Or or even, like, how how elements can be, like – borrowed from other stories because it's not it's not even just like um like a, a straight progression from like oh yeah. this story slowly turned into this story slowly turned into the it's a like they could be being you know created and told at the same times and yeah. borrowing multiple elements from like different places because there are stories where boys i believe it's usually brothers are turned into um either birds or trees and mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, that's not even the only story where somebody gets turned into a bird. There's so many stories where people yeah. get turned into a bird. But also the old woman in the woods isn't the only story where like a man gets turned into a tree. But it makes sense that, you know, people would take stories where this where it's like a brother and a sister in the woods and turn it into something mm -hmm. that's like two people who love each other. Yeah. That kind of like a situation. Or right. or switch back and forth from being a a woman on a quest to free a boyfriend or a oh, what's interesting is she's not even on a quest to save a boyfriend. She's on a quest to help her bird friend, the dove that had helped her. Yeah. And then, you know, a man on a quest to save, you know, his betrothed. And so it's like these elements, they, you know, can be dumped into a pot and then pulled out as necessary to create like different stories. And after you've been in a group of people who have been kind of telling similar stories and stuff to each other, you kind of get this like shorthand for stuff mm -hmm. where it is just like, you can say old woman and everyone knows. Yeah. She's probably a witch like safe to assume it's probably a witch. 
And so, yeah, it also makes sense why, you know, you'd read a story because this, again, this is like the thing that made me start studying like folktales and fairy tales was when you read a version and you're like, what? What? (laughs) How does this like make sense? And then when you start realizing, oh, okay, this is like a motif that's been like used several times or, oh, I see how it worked in this story, but it feels it's a weird fit in this other story. But I can see how if people have already heard this story, they've already bought into this idea and so it translates well to another story but then for us if you know you're getting it out of context out of the cultural context Mm -hmm. and like the the time period too you're a bit like what is happening and also again like the story of the old woman in the woods it does leave a lot of like things unanswered about how did this prince get turned into this bird because it doesn't say, Oh, well he got too close to this like cottage or whatever, you know, there's, there's Mm -hmm. no explanation there. And so it is like the story is rather short. And then you're left wondering like, how did, how did all this happen though? Like, uh, like what is the backstory to this story that we just heard? Um, And so, yeah, I can see why Mitchell was like, there's some context that seems like it's missing. And I think we also haven't filled in all of that context either. I think there's like still some like questions or like motifs and elements that we could kind of like go down looking at. Like we could talk about like magic rings because mm-hmm. that magic rings didn't appear in the Dorinda and Durangle story. Uh, but magic rings are a fairy tale element that shows up all the time. I think I read somewhere that it said that every culture that created rings has stories of magic rings, which is basically most cultures that created rings. And so that's like a fascinating like angle that, you know, we could go down or birds and men who turn into trees, men who turn into birds, women who turn into birds, lots of good stuff. So I highly recommend that everybody go and look up on YouTube Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics, or I mean, you you could go and like purchase them legally if you wanted to. Our lawyers would like <laughs> us to say that that is the recommended route that we would like for you to take. Definitely, but it's definitely worth a watch. That's what we're saying. It's definitely worth a watch. There's part of me that wishes that there was like some way for Jeff and I to kind of like watch every single episode like is it mystery theater 3000 where it's like they're just like commenting on it like that kind of style uh because there are a lot of stories that they remade that are stories that we've like covered on the podcast that i want to go and watch and see because just so you know like the story of the old woman in the woods that they did they did i think the only difference that we mentioned was that it's a it's an owl instead of a dove, uh, but there are many more differences. Many starting like right at the beginning, where instead of robbers coming and like attacking this caravan of people, it's the witch like herself and an and a band of goblins. Yeah, yeah, which was like wild because you know there were no goblins like in the story. She lives in this like massive, huge like castle in the woods, mm-hmm. which in the old woman in the woods she didn't uh she just lived in like a little house but in this she lived in this like giant it it seemed a lot more 
like Yorinda and Yorangle, Yorangal, than in some parts. Then it does uh, The Old Woman in the Woods. But it's really interesting because I can see why to make it a 20-minute video, they had to add some stuff. Like, there had to be elements that mm-hmm. they, like, added to it. Um, so I would highly recommend that people give it a watch just for the fun and the exposure of it. Thank you so much to Mitchell for suggesting this episode. It was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, man. And it was great to get back to talking about some Grimm's stories. We don't actually cover the Grimm's like that often. No, it's been a while. Yeah, so it's nice every time we like go back to them. I absolutely adore how much this story has been processed through different cultures because it really shows how amazing it can be to seeing different countries, different people, different cultures, like reinterpreting stories, making them like more exciting or more meaningful, like whatever it is. And so the Grimm's fairy tale classics from Japan definitely add to the the rich history of what creatives have done with the Brothers Grimm's through the last several hundred years. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Foray for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible. Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar Because these drugs are not for Capricorns.